0: Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Hey, Daryl.
1: How you doing, folks? Another week has gone by. You're still there. I'm still here. You're listening. I'm talking. (sighs) Feels good to be back here, doesn't it? I have missed you. Um, I got a question for you. I know you're on the edge of your seat, like freaking Prel. You always have a question. Uh, so here's my question, by the way, it's a truly legit question. It's not, I'm not trying to lead you at all. When you get on the phone with uh, a prospect, do you, do you have a plan? Do you know what you're going to say? I know so many of you are saying, well, of course I have a plan. I get it and i'm sure you do i don't have any reason to doubt you i think though many of you think you have a plan and you don't have a plan here's what i know from my own experience as a seller and as a buyer is myself my plan usually goes out the window the minute somebody answers the phone because i'm actually not expecting them to answer the phone how lame is that right i'm actually i always get shocked that I'm caught off guard when someone answers the phone and I it just throws me for a loop. Yeah. You get better with age and with time and experience. It's true. And and you, cause part of it is you fall back on tried behaviors and proven lines that you use and they become almost filler while you get your head back in the game and, and then get back on course. It's not uncommon. But I am always amazed as a buyer, how so many of you you truly don't have a plan. You're like me, which is, you know, that's nice. I feel less lonely. That maybe you're shot that I answer the phone. You just like, go right into the pitch, or you're the complete opposite, which is you, you spend the first minute or two trying to assess my health and my well-being, even though we've never talked before. And chances are, you're not going to lose any sleep if my health or well-being is not optimal. But it's like it is what you do, right? Because we're creatures of habit. What's interesting in all that conversation is we talk about having a script or being ready or or doing fillers. What we don't talk about in all that plan, all that conversation is we don't talk about the things we're not even aware about, which makes sense, right? How can we talk about if we're not aware about it? Let me give you some examples. This is what I've become aware of over time is that when I do podcasts like this, you may have noticed this. In fact, I'm gonna give you permission if you've noticed this. I have filler words and I'm bad for them. I will have bridges, expressions. Uh, with that said, I think it's my number one bridge. With that said, and now you're gonna hear it from now till eternity. And I use sometimes I use it so often that when I listen to myself, which which is not often because I had the conversation once, you know, I got to move on, I got other stuff to do. But when I do listen to myself when I hear with that said, with that said, with that said over and over again in the conversation, I'm like, oh, Prale, you're so freaking grating and annoying. I'll hear when I play back certain podcasts that my guest was trying to say something and I cut them off. There we go, another filler word. See, I'm doing it again. That's my, that's my verbal thinking clue. You start to see that we all have habits that we do when we speak, whether we're public speaking, almost like what I'm doing now, because even though I look at this as a conversation between you and I, clearly you're not in the room at the time. So I'm looking at a video camera with my, the big ass mic in front of me and, and that's, you know, I'm not getting any body language from you. So go figure that I've got all this reaction. Similarly, when a prospect is there and they're just listening to you and they're just really good listeners, they're not doing, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, hmm uh-huh, yeah. They're not doing that. They're just like listening to you. It messes you up and you see all these bad habits come out. Here's what you may not realize, all of those bad habits, all of those reactions, all of those, I've got a plan. It's out the door. All of those, I'm not listening. They're kicking you in the ass in multiple ways. And I and I know you know this, but if you truly knew it, you'd be fixing it. So you know it, but you choose not to deal with it, which, hey, you know, I get it. But they're kicking you in the ass. If my guess, I don't know why they don't yell at me and say, if you say, with that said, one more time, I'm hanging up right now. We're done. And I, I wouldn't fault them for that. I often wonder when I cut them off, what nugget were they going to give me that might have been just like the epitome of the show and could have changed the direction of everything? Could have made that episode, you know, great instead of just good. Could have made that call amazing instead of just adequate. <sighs> so what do you do? That's a good question. What I do is I reach out to my good friend, Richard Smith. Now, do you know Richard Smith? Richard Smith is with Refract. Now, i probably get this all wrong. But what they do is they actually do conversational analysis, analytics, and they have artificial intelligence. They have amazing tools and they actually teach you how to be better. Richard, how did I do on that? Did I even remotely represent what Refract does well, or should you correct me now? So nobody's misunderstanding what I'm saying.
2: And I think you set it up quite well there, the story. I think that the key that I took out of what you said there is Do you know what? Most of the time when we're on sales calls, we don't have a clue what we sound like. And I challenge anybody here, you come off one of your sales calls, listen to that call right back, and I guarantee you will wince, you will hear things you didn't hear the first time around, you will have talked more than you think you were talking on the call. Um, Without listening back, we live in complete false ignorance of what we actually sound like to our prospects so yeah that's kind of what we're doing is shining a light on all of that and helping people understand how to have better conversations with their buyers
1: uh, there's a line on your website that I, it jumped off the page at me so much so that I actually copied it and put it in my notes. I actually rarely do this, but it was so well done. Clearly I'm going to give Matt credit for that instead of Richard Matt's the, you know, he's the, he's the real brain in the company. You know, Richard's just the playboy, good looking guy. That's what he is. And your one line says refract analyzes every call and demo profiling, get this, this is the best part here, the revenue defining moments revealing what leads to successful outcomes for your team, a revenue defining moments. Part of what I was talking about was really (laughs) defining moments that probably don't lead to revenue. And so I'm looking forward to today's conversation. The one question I guess I want to start it off. Now, I don't know if you have the answer to this, but do you know, or do you have any indication, you know, how often do reps typically, on average, actually listen to themselves and not just periodically once in a blue moon but you know consciously make a point on a regular basis go back and review their calls does that happen
3: today
2: the users of our software do we know that i think the majority of conversations that i have with sales leadership is that that is a very alien concept it's one of those things i talk about daryl where we talk about sales as a profession everybody listening to this podcast right now would classify themselves as a sales professional. Yet we rarely act as professionals in sales because if you look at every single discipline in the world, whether you're a doctor, or an American football player, a musician, a singer, a poker player, a chess player, you name it, every one of those professions practices, watches back what they did, listens back to how they sounded they will test it and try it new techniques again and again they'll listen back they'll refine they'll watch back they will do some more refinement because guess what that's how you get better at what you do but how it, many sales the podcast are actually doing that for themselves and
1: i suspect a lot aren't i that's why i asked the question because i know even when i did it i didn't i didn't listen to myself and you know the ability to record a call has been around for record ever now my day we had little you know, little suction cups of an on the the handset, right? And you had to intercept the whole phone jack and everything else and record it and play it back. That's what that's what you had to do. Different era. My goodness, you guys have no idea how fortunate you are now. Uh, I won't even go. You look it up. Seriously, yeah, how they used to record phone calls? It was really really lame. Let's do this. What I want to do today. I was inspired by your uh, one of the blogs on your website. You talked about basically discovery calls. You kind of bring it up in it. Your blog goes into 13 great discovery questions, but then you had another blog, which was like, you know, cold call eavesdropping and what we've observed. So it's kind of like the good and the bad. That's kind of how I took it. I want to mesh this all up. I want to talk about discovery calls, but I want to talk about where people go wrong. Cause I'm a big fan of train wrecks and car crashes and i want to see the blood and the gore so that i can learn that i should not drive really really fast while drunk that that's bad for my health and my long-term success so that's what we're going to do today if that's okay with you is that okay with you
2: yeah let's do it i've got lots of opinions to share
1: okay i love it okay so what we're gonna do Before we start, let's just do this. I'm gonna get the commercial out of the way so that we're not interrupted. If you guys are not listening to the commercial, not a problem. Go to refract.ai, check out the company, check out Richard, that's what you should do, or check out those blogs I talked about. But in the meantime, we'll be right back and we're gonna hit up where you're going wrong in your discovery calls.
3: CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. Okay, so let's
1: just get right into it. And by the way, how many people here actually went to refract.ai, all right? You should. Good tool is pocket. Pocket, familiar with it? You can go and bookmark it and read it later. Just total sidebar. Okay, let's talk about where people go wrong in discovery call. So maybe you could even set the stage. When you say discovery call, set the stage for me what you're talking about and then tell me where they're screwing up. So over to you.
2: I've always classified discovery as first of all, the most important stage in the sales process. I would always frame discovery in the main as that scheduled first conversation where we've got a new opportunity, they've committed to meeting with us for the first time, and this is that first conversation. So before we start thinking about pitching our products, showing everybody what we do, which leads me nicely into pitfall number one. But this is the, the key stage in the process. This is where deals are won or lost. Get discovery wrong, you can forget about the rest of the process. And I think that's why a lot of people, they get discovery wrong and they end up four months into a sales cycle with a prospect was never going to buy from them because they didn't do all the, the right things at the start.
1: I want to emphasize what you said there. The one thing he said was this was a scheduled call that was a really important part so it's not a brand new cold call this is a scheduled call in other words you've already got past the cold call and they've agreed to allow you to fundamentally interrogate them to learn more about how the solution might apply to them this is like the most important call ever all right because this will quickly determine if you can make a dramatic impact they're going to give you all the information you need mostly to put together a compelling proposal. They're going to tell you their pain points. So in other words, instead of you selling features and functions, they're going to tell you the pain that you need to solve to overcome for them. And if you do this right, you're going to establish the value of your offering, which you're going to use to overcome objections and going to use to negotiate on price. It all starts here on the discovery call. Whew, no pressure. This is the call. This is it, baby. Where do we go wrong first?
2: The first fundamental problem I commonly see is, is simply that salespeople are not dedicated enough time to this crucial stage in the sales process. A lot of people still think of discovery as, I'm going to ask you two or three questions to understand about your sales team or your marketing team or whatever it is that they sell. But I cannot wait to show you my product and I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to show you these features and all these cool dashboards. And I'm going to hope that you love it because everybody else loves it. and. Lo and behold, you end up basically giving it the same demo that you've done 50 times over to other prospects, showing the same features that you think are cool, most of which aren't relevant because guess what? You hadn't actually allocated the specific and necessary amount of time and discovery to understand what stuff even in your product is worth showing. Not even that, whether your product is even going to be relevant or valuable for that prospect full stop. So in my opinion, and there's a little bit of kind of debate about this I see in the sales world, is that discovery, the scheduled discovery call should be completely separate to the demo. You should not even think about showing your product off in session. When you do that, you make sure that that entire time slot that you schedule with the prospect, that 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour, is dedicated to discovery, information gathering, understanding how you can help. There should be no temptation to show any wonderful features and functionality. People, your prospects, some of your prospects won't even deserve a demo. That's for you to decide through discovery. So the fundamental flaw number one is make sure that the discovery is a completely separate conversation, put it on the pedal stool that it deserves as the most important part of the sales process, and don't dilute it with your product demonstration.
1: Oh. Dude, I got to open this up and I, I got lots of opinions on this. Okay. I agree with you in an ideal world. The demo should be a separate conversation. I fully agree with you, but let's table that for a second. Here's what I know to be true. My schedule as a buyer is very finite. It's very scheduled. And if you can give me two short meetings as opposed to one long ass meeting, I'm going to take that every time the chance that I will be able to handle two short meetings, we'll say two 30 minute meetings. on separate Mm -hmm. dates are so much more likely than one 60 minute demo. I'm sorry. Meeting as an example, That's point number one point number two, is many of you are worried that if I don't do the demo now, I'll never get a chance to do the demo, which means you're relying upon the product or the solution and the features and the functions to be what actually closes and hooks that buyer, when the reality is it has nothing to do with your features or your functions. It has everything to do with them having a pain and you being able to fix that pain not your features. Your features, it's a process to get to the end. That's all it is. So two meetings, much better. The next thing is if you spend your time doing that discovery properly, a couple things happen. One, You can listen to the call again and again and again. You can seek input from other people at the office to say, did you hear what I heard? What are the priorities? What did I not understand? What did I not ask? And I can maybe follow up with an email after the fact and say, when you said this, I want to be clear. Do you mean this or do you mean that? So that when you get to the demo, which is the second call, then all you do is you open up and say, okay, let's recap. This is what I heard you say. were the real top pain points, A, B, C, D, and E. That's it, okay? I'm going to show you how I solve A, B, C, D, and E. And if you're still interested and you want to see more about the product, okay, great, we'll do that, but I don't want to waste your time. And you hit such a powerful point, which was after that discovery call, maybe they're not worthy of a demo at all because they just don't fit. But too many of you are so desperate for a sale that you just want to go all in on the demo and pray and hope that something changes. I would say to you, are you not respecting your own schedule enough, your own efforts? If you're wasting your time on a demo with them, you know what you're not doing? You're not prospecting. You're not qualifying that other opportunity. That alone, Richard Smith, that alone was solid, solid gold. They go into demo mode as opposed to discovery mode because it's what they know and it's what they're comfortable with. And they're just missing out on so many opportunities. Brother, that's a high five.
2: Oh, man. Feel just goodness flowing through my veins. But let me just come back to something that you said, that I think it's a very what I love about listening to the show that was so often you provide the perspective as the buyer, which I think for so many salespeople, they, they very rarely get to hear that. And you just said, two short 30 minute meetings works better for you. And some people out there be yes. thinking, Oh, what 30 minutes to do a demo? Oh, that's not enough time. Well, hang on, if you did 30 minutes discovery, you'd figure out Probably the 20% of your product that's going to be relevant for that prospect. And so instead of showing the other 80%, which isn't relevant, you focus on the 20%, you demonstrate to the prospect the specific parts of your product or service that can address their specific pain points and challenges. You will only need 30 minutes to do that.
1: I'll even go one step further because this is what's going to happen. You're going to show me in my example, A, B, C, D, E, because that was my pain point. And I'm going to say, yep, I can see you can do it. And then I'm more than likely going to hand you off to somebody else on my team that says, okay, now drill down and, you know, does it integrate with Salesforce or whatever or whatever? How does it fit into my stack and what are my options and blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. I trust my staffer to do that. You pass the litmus test with me. I have now anointed you because I've handed you off. Go have that one or two hour demo with them. Rock yourself. It's great. That's what I want you to do. But I don't want to see it. I just want to know you can fix my problem. So huge point. Okay, let's move on. What's the second thing you see people going wrong when it comes to discovery as you listen to all these calls and you analyze them over and over and over again.
2: Point number two, salespeople start discovery calls with no agenda whatsoever. What I mean by that is, I'm not expecting, okay, Mr. Prospect, we're going to talk about topic A, topic B, topic C, topic D. It's not what I mean by an agenda. I'm talking about this is the expectation of, of what the purpose of today's call is, and these are what the outcomes are of this conversation. Too many salespeople I see, they start a discovery call, they say, hey, Daryl, how are you doing? How's the weather in Canada? Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they go into their questions and daryl's at the other end of the line thinking oh i'm still unsure about what happens at the end of this call is the sales guy gonna ask me to get my credit card out is he what happens next you don't know what purpose of the conversation is too many sales are just kind of bleeding into their discovery calls and they're not getting any sense of buy-in or commitment from the prospect about the purpose of the discovery conversation and instead all that's doing is putting trepidation at the buyer it's making them resistant to give away information as freely as you you would want them to be and also it, it doesn't set a clear objective about what happens at the end of that discovery call which is so key
1: since you asked about the buyer's perspective this is what i value and i have coached reps on this over and over again whether you're on my team or you're just trying to sell me something when you start my call with "Okay, Mr. Prale," or "Okay, Daryl," "Okay, Dickhead," whatever it is you want to call me that we agree to, I'm okay with that. Okay, sir. Let's recap. We still have one hour. You have to be off the phone at uh, 3 p.m. Is that correct? Yes. Great. Because if the answer is no, it's 2:45, and right away you know you want to do this. Great. Now, what specifically do you want to accomplish today? Well, I want to accomplish you know this now. I'm going to learn about your product, whatever it might be. Okay. Great. Uh, here's what I want to accomplish today. And if this goes well, then we can agree to carry on the conversation or do X or do Y. Does that sound reasonable to you? Yes. Great. When you do that, oh my gosh, I love you. And then in the next call, this is when you're going to have me high-fiving you. Okay. uh, Good to talk to you again. Do you mind if I recap our last call? Make sure we're in alignment just to get us up to speed. Because I know you're busy. Your mind's probably in a thousand places. Yes. Okay. So what I heard you say was you said A, B, C, D, and E, and you wanted me to follow up in this call today to do one, two, three, four, and five. Does that sound about right? Did I miss anything to you? No, that sounds great. Perfect. Great. And we still have one hour? Yes. Okay. And then if we do this right, then the next will be this. Does that sound right to you? Great. Can let's get into it. Oh my gosh. I love you. I cannot tell you how many times I've had to coach you reps on time management, on agenda setting, on clear outcomes, on not wasting my time spending the first 15 minutes, me saying, we talked about this, we talked about this, we talked about this, stop it, just stop it already. Okay, Yeah. number three, where do people go wrong?
2: Number three is that too many salespeople don't appreciate that their buyers often don't know how to buy their products and services. They're dealing with inexperienced buyers. So what they do is they, come to the end of their discovery conversations and they're kind of asking the prospect about where do we go next and what happens next and guess what the people that are speaking with have never bought anything before they've never made an investment in a product or service that you're selling so what you get is a prospect who just sort of guesses says oh well i think i've got to go and you know speak with this person and oh we've maybe got to look at getting this team involved and oh you know maybe we can do some sort of trial. And there's one thing I learned some time ago from a a brilliant sales trainer, Daryl, who said, this is your sales process. Take prospects by the hand and guide them through your process. It's not saying that you have to force them there because we can't force prospects to do what they don't want to do. But for those inexperienced buyers, if we say, okay, so typically... In these situations Mr. prospect, when we've identified that we can help you in this, this, and this, this is what would typically happen next. And in that next stage, which is, which is a sales demo, what would normally happen is we would also get involved with other people who this, who this issue is important to. And you get the inexperienced buyer to say, okay, yeah, that all makes sense. Well, this is definitely important to this person. And yet getting a demo certainly, certainly makes sense, is you're guiding that prospect by the hand and you're taking them through your sales process. You're making it easy for that prospect to buy off you, but too many times salespeople just think, this is an experienced buyer, and kind of let the buyer take them by the hand, and so often that just leads to dead ends.
1: And the beauty of what Richard just talked about there is everything he just said ties in exactly with setting the agenda because the agenda is also guiding the buying process. So they go together, but yes, you spot on. Never assume they know how to buy or they bought before. It's also, if they don't know how to buy, they may say to you, oh, I can't make that decision or I'm not the person for that. Great. Who is just so I understand because I want to make sure I give you what they need and then you can circle around and reach it to them. Brilliant, brilliant point. Okay. 30 seconds or less what is one more mistake people make on a discovery
2: call where they go wrong? They don't pick up on the emotive nuggets. What's an emotive nugget? I hear everyone scream. An emotive nugget is those little words that people prospects drop in that almost sound irrelevant when they say it because they say it under their breath. You tell them something about your product and they say, oh, that's interesting. Or yeah, that can be a challenge sometimes. These words that indicate surface pain, levels of interest. And most salespeople, what they do is they hear these words and they smile and they think that's a great answer, but they go on to the next question. What they should do is if I'm talking with you, Daryl, and you say, "Mm, Richard, yeah, that that sounds interesting. I stop and I say, Daryl, you said that sounds interesting. What is it specifically that interests you about that? Identify the emotive nuggets and get the prospect to elaborate on why they found it interesting, why it's a challenge. The prospect's dropped in their stake in the ground, let them elaborate. And oftentimes you will learn 10x by just saying, tell me more about why you've just said that word than you will have ever learned before. On the, if you just carried on with your set of questions that you want to ask the prospect, listen for the amount of nuggets and get the prospects to tell you more about why they said them.
1: Which ironically is how I started off the show where I said, I often wonder, what were they going to say that I cut them off on or I missed on? It's exactly those emotive nuggets. Okay. So what do we know here? We know that Richard Smith is a rock star. The reason he's a rock star is because he works for Refract. Refract is a kick-ass company that is all about understanding conversational analysis to make sure that you, my friend, are actually having more revenue-defining moments in your sales cycle. Specifically, what you need to do now is you need to check them out. You need to follow him. He's big on LinkedIn, as you might imagine, but you can also find him in all lots of other places, including Twitter. You can email him, Richard at refract.ai. Check him out. He wants to hear from you. You got a question, send it to him. But if you like this episode, my friend, beyond following Richard on LinkedIn and Twitter, you need to share it with all your friends because what Richard said today was gold. That's another episode, folks. We're done. We're out of here. It's been wonderful talking again. I hope you have a fantastic week. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.
0: You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside Inside Sales, hosted by Daryl Prale, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every other week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. One of the many shows on the ever-growing Funnel Radio Channel. Sponsored by Vanilla Soft.